0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Amen. Never disappoints, amen? <laughs> Praise God. Um Hallelujah! God is good, amen? In the middle, amen all the time. I forget that. That is a chant. Um, um, but he is, and he's faithful even in the middle of some of the deepest, strongest, most uh, intense things that we could go through. As we pray for our sister Emily, um, this is a beautiful time just to get around her and just talk to her, have a conversation with her. Um, maybe she needs a certain help. Um, she could reach out to us if she needs some strength from some of the guys to move some things around we'll be there for her um, but if she need whatever it is maybe she you could talk to her about finances whatever it is that you feel in your heart uh, to have that conversation with her I'm sure she'll' um, would, would love to talk to you guys about that hopefully but talk to Emily she needs um, I, can't, I can't imagine you know that's it, horrible so just pray for that and Keep that. I know we had a. I wanna. I don't wanna go through without forgetting this. Maybe in your heart, or if you have a notepad, or however you do this, if you write it on your smart device. Pray for Betsy. Um, she is asking for prayer for her nephew. Um, if you guys did not know that, um, her nephew is uh, in the hospital as we speak, and they're they're not sure what's going on, whether it's Crohn's disease or whatnot. Um, but she's praying for healing, and if we could just pray for him. His name is Frankie. And that's another one of our sisters in our church that's going through something right now, as you could imagine what that may look like for, for Betsy and her family, as her nephew may be struggling with this disease. Amen? So there's a lot there, but, um, and I'm sure there's so much more that we could discuss. I'm sure all around this room, you know, there's a lot of heaviness, there's a lot of things, but this is what we're here for, to have these moments where we could pause and just pray for one another and lift them up, so... Let's let's pray one more time, and, and let's just come before him. Lord, we thank you and we love you. I thank you, Lord God, that we're able to worship you, and Lord, we're able to freely just be here in your presence. I thank you that our kids are in the back, they're learning, Lord, and they have a time where they could just reflect and hear your word and reflect on it, and uh, I thank you, Lord God, for the testimonies that happened there, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for for everyone that serves here and that makes a day like today possible, Lord, for... Uh, just they're, they're willing to serve their heart, Lord God, to do the work of the, of the kingdom, Lord, and, and ministry work. And Lord, as we get into your word and to this thought and this value, this code that we're in, I pray that you would speak it in clarity that I would be able, Lord, to do that. And that you would uh, just move in our hearts as it's a reminder. It's something that hopefully we all should be standing on. And uh, maybe we'll fly by it, and, but I pray that it would truly sink in and uh, take root and, and be fruitful as we hear what this means. So we give all of this to you, that you would be glorified. We lift up, Emily, we lift up Betsy's nephew, Frankie, and all the tests and everything that's going on. We come against that Crohn's disease, and we ask that you would bring healing over his body. I pray that they would get a good report, Lord God, and that they would give praise to their Lord, because you're faithful, you're good, Lord. I, I just lift up that young man right there where he's at in the hospital, uh, that your spirit would just sit over him in a mighty way. Amen. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And together we say amen, amen. Amen. Lots to pray for, um, lots to consider, and um, we're not done. Your ministry on this earth is not done. I hope you know that. Look at the person next to you and say, your ministry is not done, your life's not done. There's so much more. All right. Today we're going we're gonna to jump into our codes. We believe uh, the hype is the first one for you guys. You're like, well, what exactly is this and what's going on? Um, every month, the first Sunday of every month, we're going to go ahead and focus on a code just to kind of revisit them and um, just kind of go over some of our values. Our, our codes is pretty much some quick values, though they don't just sit on these, but these are just some key things that we um, like to introduce, especially when someone's new. For some of you that came into the newcomers class, um, this last one that we just had, we went through these codes and what they mean to us as a church. And uh, the reason why, some of them are, are, are named or, or phrased a little bit differently. And you'll see as the months go on why they're like that. Uh, like, we make war. When you hear that, you're like, ah, shouldn't, like, be, be, shouldn't we be people of peace, <laughs> you know? And um, so we have a whole teaching of that. It's not basically paint your face and just go out there and, and go to war. Um, but it's basically there is a, a war mentality that the believers to have. And I think that we see that through prayer, through fasting, through gathering, right? So we'll, we'll discuss all these things. But the first one is we believe the hype. And we believe the hype is interesting because it deals with faith. And, and it's, it's, it's cool that that's the first one uh, that we focus on uh, because it deals with our faith. And as it deals with our faith, well, our faith in what? Well, our faith in Christ and our faith in His Word. If we're going to have faith in anything, have faith in Christ and His Word. I've heard many people say, well, you know what? I don't have faith in God. I just have faith in myself. And I look at those people uh, very lovingly and yet very strongly with my eyes, and I say, well, um, like the rapper Lecrae says, I I can't even trust myself, you know? Um, We know in our sinful nature what we're capable of, and in one bad day, what can happen. So, Um, if there's any faith in me, it's the faith in the Christ that lives in me. But outside of that, if there is no Christ and my faith is not in that, it's hard to put faith in myself. Anyone with me? So our faith is rooted in Christ. Faith is in His Word. Um, So we introduced this about five years ago, and some of you were here, so forgive me for seeing. You're going to see some of these pictures and hear some of these stories Um, I wasn't going to share them again today, but I felt it fitting to share them again because it makes a point. And if there's anyone here for the first time, it'll be fun just to see how crazy um, people can get and be. Uh, Because we're talking about hype. And think about what that word hype means. And you may say, well, shouldn't we not believe all the hype? Right, you shouldn't believe all the hype, but we do believe the hype, the most important hype. You know, sometimes people say, well, don't really believe in the stuff that the church is teaching you. Don't really believe the whole Bible. Don't really trust everything about Jesus and about God. Don't really trust that Jesus was God or he was this man. He's just a myth and a story that's been told from generation to generation. Don't really trust all the word of God. It's been written by man and you can't trust what man writes. These are people that have some sort of worldly intellect, but they don't have an understanding of what the Bible says about some of those statements that they're making. Because we could answer those statements. So we actually do just pause for a moment and say, I guess I get what you're telling me is do not believe the hype, but I'm standing before you to tell you if there's one thing that I do believe in, I took this pill, I do believe in this one, I believe the hype fully and the hype is that my faith is in Jesus Christ and my faith in His Word. That hype I do trust in. Amen? Amen. But when you think about hype, amen, praise God, God is good. That means I was pretty clear on that, so that's good, that's good, all right, you know, think about hype for a moment, people get hyped uh, for the craziest of reasons, I am one of those individuals, Um, just part of my nature is I'm a passionate person, so whatever it is that I'm speaking about, uh, and if I have passion for it, you'll know right away, because immediately I change, I light up, boom, it's like a light bulb, and I just get very passionate about it, if you're having a conversation with me and you see it's just gradual, I mean, I care, but I might not be so passionate about that. All right, but when you when you catch that, you, you you see individuals sometimes that they do wear their passion right on their sleeves, and it's very easy to see. Um, I, I I shared a long time ago uh, one of the things that always wowed me was like the phone situation. Um, that when I would drive by and I would see people like the night before, you know, waiting for a new phone or something like that. Like that's crazy. Like I can I I, mean, I know some of you can do that, but I can't. I'll wait five months, five more months for, for for that phone to come out in the store. I can't wait the night before for a phone. There's no way. There's no way. One time, a friend of mine says, you have to wake up at 2 in the morning. At 2 in the morning, you should, on the, online so they can send it to you. You have to press send. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Submit, submit, submit. So I, I did it one time at 2 in the morning. I was hitting that submit, 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 and it didn't happen. I couldn't get the phone. I remember laying back in my bed. I couldn't fall asleep. I said, why did I wake up at 2 in the morning to try to get the phone? And I forgot what number that was. That was probably like the iPhone 7 or something. I don't even know. And I was like, I couldn't do it, and I missed it, and it says, whatever. So, and I was like, I could have been sleeping now. I can't even fall back to sleep, all because of a phone. Um, what happens is people get triggered by different things, and people get excited about different things. Um, what, I don't know what your topic is or what you, um, the thing that gets you going is all about, but you know what your thing is, whether it's a belief, whatever you have an opinion upon. Um, we got to see that uh, very passionately. Sometimes um, people turn very evil even um, when, when it came to like, politics and stuff that. We saw like, a lot of passion, like, whoa, a, a, little, a little too much. Um, we, we see all that when the crazies get out there and everything that they're saying and everything that they're doing. Um, but one thing that we can be familiar with is when Miami wins a championship. Not the Miami Dolphins. We're waiting for that. But but at least we've experienced some heat winds and some Marlins. All right? All right. And that was a fun time. Um, um, This is going to be a fun year, I think, for the Dolphins. But whatever. I don't want to talk about sports because then there's always that one person that comes to church. Like, I can't believe the pastor spoke about sports on Sunday. But, um. I mean, we get hyped for all kinds of things. They... You have ever seen these weird people? No, so you guys are like, a lot of you from Hialeah, and then some of you maybe are from like the Westchester area, like I am. You ever seen these weird people? Okay, let me explain to you what I mean. Mm-hmm. They take out pots and pans and stuff like that, and they just ding, 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 ding. Listen, for the Cubans in this place, when Fidel Castro died, when Fidel Castro died, the Cubans flooded Visayas and La Carreta here on, on, on uh, in Burr Road and the one over here on, what is it, on, on, on 49th. And pots and pans went out. I mean, the craziest thing. I mean, a man died and you're celebrating. I mean, okay. Um, you should have done that like praying for salvation in the streets. <laughs> but, but whatever. Anyways, here we go. So people are crazy, you know, with the pots and the pans and the screaming. I mean, some people are nuts. They wear like masks and stuff, and they go out to the streets. and, and uh, sometimes they get so crazy that that they wear uh, luchadore masks. Look at that! Look at that guy. <laughs> I mean, that guy needs Jesus, you know. Weird, weird people. I think there's a there's a still shot of that that individual. Let's, let's put the still shot. Have you done it yet? There there's that guy. I uh, don't know. This was 10 years ago for that individual, and 10 years ago he thought it was a good idea to wear his luchador mask, and 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 now you know why I did something like that. Uh, because I knew I was going to go out to the streets with pots and pans, and I said if I put this mask on, no one will know who I am. <laughs> no one will know who I am. So you have to consider it with a little bit of wisdom. There was a little bit of wisdom there in the method of uh, To My Madness. But, but these are the things that we do. Again, that was 10 years ago. We were a little bit younger. I think now, if we win, I'd be like, I'll watch it on the news or FaceTime me. FaceTime me when you get it to the parade. Um, I don't think I have the energy and the strength anymore to go out to the middle and celebrate the parade. Now, if the Dolphins win, <laughs> hold on, I may have all the strength and energy and might. Uh, just to take a week off and, and I don't know, we'll celebrate it. <laughs> I don't know but, um, but people do this and, and, and the craziest of things and we just have a good time because we're excited and we, we want to publicize and pump up and scream about our team though that team really didn't do anything for us but yeah, it feels good just to say Miami's on the map and then most of those guys in the roster don't even live here alright They don't do nothing for us. But the beautiful thing is the team that we're talking about today, the person that we're talking about, he does. This stuff does matter. And this stuff does trickle down to us. And that's what we have hype for. The word hype can have different meanings. The first one that I, I want you to recognize is this definition. The word hype means to promote. To hype something up is to promote something. To hype something up is to publicize something. And you do it in an intense fashion, an intense form, where you publicize and you promote something. Um, I love, like, movies and stuff like that. And if I see a good movie, I make sure that I tell everyone about that good movie because, why? Wow, I'm excited about it, and I want everyone to feel that. I remember when I rode this roller coaster that I thought was one of the best roller coasters that I've ridden recently. And I remember I walked out of there with a smile. It did all kinds of stuff. Uh, it stimulated me into a way that I've, I, I mean, it was just, I had to tell everyone about this roller coaster that I rode, and it was just like, it was, I needed to, everyone needed to know, and that's because you get hyped, and you want to promote it. I think it's interesting that in scripture, and in the gospels, we see something that kind of, um, that kind of, hmm, I'm not going to say it just turns to us, because this is what happens when we read scripture sometimes, we could read scriptures, and we could really make it all about us, and we miss like the heart of God behind it. So though this does deal with us, I want you to see how good Christ is. Does that make sense? So we see in Matthew and in Luke that things like this are written. And Jesus says this with his very words. Look at these words for a moment. It says, whoever confesses me before men. How many of you have read the scripture? Whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before the angels of God and my Father in heaven. Is is this not a beautiful scripture? This is what happens sometimes on Sundays when you sit in a preaching. We move too fast. And you don't sit on a specific situation, a moment, or a verse. Like, read this now. I'm not going to read it out loud. You read it to yourself and look at every single word and place yourself before the Lord. Place yourself before Christ there and have that conversation. Like, read that, read that. Read that for a moment. Go ahead, I'll give you like 30 seconds. How does that make you feel, that text? Go ahead. Anyone, out loud. How does that scripture make you feel? Habla? Uh-huh. That's one way. Habla, guys, habla. <laughs> like we have a responsibility. Good. So, responsibility is on us. Anyone else? All right. Whoever confesses me before man, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. I will confess before the angels. I read this and I say, How amazing is this scripture! How beautiful is this text in Luke chapter 12, in Matthew chapter 10. That if we confess, that if we publicize our Lord, look what he does. I mean, it's humbling. I can't come up with the right words, but my words fall short. It is amazing. It's awesome. It's humbling. I mean, that Christ confesses us. He speaks of us. He mentions our name before the angels and before the Father in heaven. He promotes us. He publicizes us before God's throne. One translation says it this way. He says, and I will stand up for you. He stands up for me. Like the, we talked about Easter last weekend and The cross is enough. He stood up for me enough. But yet, Scripture teaches us that He is the mediator between man and God. Have you thought about that? Some people decide that they want to go into a booth, for example. And some faiths, they do that, right? And they speak maybe to a man. And they say, well, this is my sins. This is what I've done wrong. And that man will look back on them and say... Go to the statue over there and get on your knees and say, I don't know, a couple of our fathers and some Hail Mary's. And he's our mediator, this man between us and God to make us right of our sins. But scripture teaches us that he takes away the middleman. And Jesus becomes the mediator. Jesus comes now and he says, Talk to me, son. The veil's been torn. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Let's have a conversation. What's on your heart? Well, Lord, I've sinned this time. And and he stands before the presence of the Father. He stands before the angels. And he says, I stand up for you. I am your mediator. I stand on your behalf. I mean, that is so humbling for me. He does not have to speak for me. But he's such a good God. You see how we could really make this scripture all about us? But it's not. The more I read it with the right lens, with the right heart, it's less about me And it's more about how good he is. Because why would he mention me? And why would he talk to me? And why would he drop seeds in the father's heart about his son named Regal? Like, why would he do such personal things like that? You we think like Jesus is sitting on a throne the whole time and he's like yawning and bored. He's like, I'm just waiting to kick off the party. (laughs) He's doing stuff in eternity. Eternity is functioning and flowing with responsibilities and things happening, uh, um, songs being sung, things coming in and out. I mean, there is stuff that is going on in the kingdom. There's stuff that's happening. And part of the stuff that's happening is that Jesus stands before the Father and before his angels and speaks on the behalf of his sons and daughters or of his brothers and sisters. Have you thought about that for a moment? And have you said, whoa, the God that I serve is a good God? I definitely don't deserve that. Maybe you're here and you say, oh, I deserve it. I think he should talk about me some more in heaven. Well, that's between you and him. To believe the hype in Christ, but should leave us in awe, though, even more, that he's actually thinking about us. I'll use the word hype just to use it, but he's hyped about us. Well, I don't know. You're kind of messing around with the scripture there. And you tell me, for God so loved the world, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that He gave His one begotten Son, His only begotten Son, His one unique Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If that verse does not make you understand that He is actually thinking about you, that that's what He does, He does for us. And there's so many other scriptures like that. He's hype and... He wants to speak about his sons and daughters, and he wants us to be his ambassadors, his representation here on earth. Of course he's hyped about us. Of course he's thinking about us. Of course Jesus is interceding for us. We are his representation. We are the ambassadors. We are the citizens of heaven here on earth. Of course we are on his mind, and we are in his prayers. We're here and we're praying to Jesus. And if we just had a, 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 a supernatural telescope and we could see into the, the kingdom of heaven, if we could just see what Jesus is doing while you're praying to him, he's there. And he's like, what? I'm praying for you guys right now. And he's praying for us. So there's this joy, there there is this joy that there is this reward that that, that waits for us in eternity, that we stand before the brilliance, I I don't know, majestic, brilliance, the majesty of God, and that our sin-ridden lives is presented before the holiness of God, and that Jesus could say, the blood, my blood has covered that brother, my blood has covered that sister father. So when we feel like, how will I make it past this? How will I get through this? How will I survive even as we stand before the Lord? I want you to picture this. I love to do this. Forgive me. You've already heard me say this many Sundays. I'm weird like that. But I love to picture myself before his throne. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm sure. Oh, man, just standing before him. Can't wait. Cannot wait. And as I stand before the presence of Yahweh, how will I stand? How will, you, how will we stand before such a presence? I'll probably say when I can't even find the strength in myself to even stand at this moment, how do I confront such a holy, majestic being? How will I speak a word to the one who's given me the words to speak when I can't even utter a sound from my mouth before his wisdom? How, do I, how will I do that? When I see him. How will I ever plead my case. When I stand before the one. who scripture teaches us. And we know very well. Is sovereign. And knows my beginning to the end. Like he knows it. I can't stand before him. Like my children do to me. Dad what, what happened was. Like Jackson did. And, Jay did, and, and they, they, they paint this picture. Now I have to play the judge. And decide. Mm, I'm going to catch someone in a lie. You stand before the Lord and, he's in, and you try to make your plea, Dad, Abba, Father, what? what? And he's like, what are you going to tell me? I know your beginning and I know your end. I know every detail about you. We know, I mean, can you imagine standing before that God? Our God. A man who, who, who reigns in wonder. And yet his mind is thoughtful of us. Point number one is he's hype about us. He's thoughtful of us. He's thinking of us. And that has led man to to run to him, to humble themselves, to repent before him. And from his presence, when I feel like, how will I ever be able to say a word? And how will I ever be able to stand before such wonder? How will I be able to ever get through this? When that day happens, when that moment takes place, from his presence, from that brightness, from that power, the power of a lion, but yet the sweet gentleness of a lamb, a voice comes out and begins to declare this over me. I want you to hear this. He says, I will stand for you. maybe you've never hit rock bottom to understand what that phrase means that he looks at you and says I stand for you I will publicize you when there's no words that you can utter I will speak for you on your behalf and I will intensely promote you before the father and before his angels what do you do at that moment What do you think you're going to do at that moment? I feel like you guys are scared to answer. I think I'm going to fall on my face. And if I'm wearing any crowns, I'm going to place them at the feet of Jesus at that very moment. Whatever crowns are on my head are falling at the feet of Jesus. At the moment, he declares that over me. Whoever confesses me before men, I confess before the angels of God and before my Father in heaven. In Romans chapter 10, maybe you're hearing like, well, I need to start confessing and I need to start doing my part with him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 gives us a a clear understanding of this. In Romans 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say, church? You, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is, what? Saved. The innermost part of your being is revealed also by the looseness of your lips. <laughs> People are like, well, I really didn't say that. No, what you said, whether it was public or in the secret, reveals the issue of your heart. So you could try to justify, and you could try to get your words back, but you can't. Those words came out like a speeding bullet, and they reveal what's really going on in here. And Paul writes, and he says, but this is the beauty about salvation, that if we confess with our mouth and we believe it in our heart, you see, the mouth will speak that which is in the heart. And this is not the organ that is pumping. This heart is the innermost part, the core of man, from where everything is found. From that place, if you come to believe, then you come to confess. Guys, I want you to listen to this. There is a faith that happens first first, that then leads to good works. You begin to display that which you first come to believe. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Romans is telling us. That's what we believe in here in this church. We do not believe that you have to do 15 things to get to heaven. We do not believe you have to say a certain. I could say, hey, come up here and say this prayer. Lord, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me of for my sins. Write my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Write my name down in the... And then I'll be saved. Amen. Amen. Welcome. You're now going to heaven. No, you're not. You just repeat it after me. But is your heart. Is the core of your being convinced that Jesus died for your sin, resurrected, sits in power, reigns, and mediates on behalf of your soul before the Father and before angels? And when it does, then you confess with your life that Jesus is Lord and salvation has entered into your heart. Then your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In that moment, in that moment is when it's written. We believe this hype. Amen? Not every hype, but this one we do. We don't serve a God that rejects us. Amen? If you're in Him, He does not reject you. Or to gain His love and favor, you need to participate in useless and powerless rituals, traditions, partake in acts. Some in which are unspeakable and we won't even get into some of the things that are out there. All in order for him to take notice of us and even reward us in eternity. But we are in awe today, in reverence today, humbled today that our God is thoughtful of us. That our God cares for us and is aware of us and speaks on our behalf before the Father in heaven and before angels. That He really is embedded. He is in this deal. He is part of this relationship. He is hyped about me and that has transformed me to be even more in love and hyped about Him. And that's what we are. And I know this to be true because Paul writes in Ephesians 5. I love this. I always go through this with the married folks or those who are about to get married. He grabs the picture of the husband and the wife who are about to come into unity. And it's the only thing in Scripture, husband and wife. It's the only thing in the text that you will see that is used to illustrate, to give this analogy as Christ with the church and i always say this in marriage couples i always say this in our marriage gatherings because of just ephesians 5 though there are many others i know that jesus that the father takes marriage seriously but i also see how he speaks of us i see a part of the heaven of the heart of god listen to ephesians 5 verses 25 26 and 27 he says husbands love your wives as christ Look, look what it says. As Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? It wasn't by saying, hey, I love you guys. Because you could say, I love... Okay, watch this. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. So saying, I love you, means nothing. If our acts don't show it. If our lives don't show it. Because you could kiss someone today... And the next day you execute them. So I want you to see this for a moment. He says, husbands, you love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, I want to know how Christ loved me then. Because I am the church. We are the church. How did Christ love me? It says it right there. It says, he gave himself up for her. He surrendered himself. It's mind-blowing. There's a car that's coming. It's aiming at my wife. My wife is there. She has no... Um, understanding that the car is going to hit her, I see it. I have time, and I have right there an option. Do I let the car hit her? Hit her, and I just step on and I say, "Wow, what a disaster!" I guess that was fate. Or with time, do I react and say, my wife is about to get crushed by this car. I have two options. She goes, or I can go. Which one is it? Jesus says, I get it. I know what it it takes. And he jumps in the middle, pushes the bride out of the way, and he takes the impact. He takes the hit, and he gives up himself for his beloved, for his bride. He says, that's how much I love you. I love you so much that I took the impact that you should have taken. That's the. And he's speaking to marriages, but he's also speaking his heart to the church. This text is not just about the marriage. This text is about the heart of Christ. He says, that's how much I love. I'll give myself up for you. And you know why I do this? You know why I took the blame? You know why I took the hit? Jesus says this, so beautiful. He says, so that I could sanctify her. So that I could cleanse her. And that's what he's telling husbands to do with his wives in this text. Yes, by the washing of water with the word. And look what he says. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that might be holy without blemish. I know know this is talking about marriages, but it's also talking about Christ and the church. It's talking about our marriage with Jesus and our marriage with our spouses on earth. This is a perfect cross. It's vertical and horizontal. This text is a cross. It's, this is how your relationship with your wife and husband should be with your spouse on earth because of the way it is from heaven to earth. And what he is describing here is beautiful. The reason why the Lord takes the impact for us, the way that he loved us is so bizarre. It is so extreme. It is so amazing. His thoughts for us, his heightness for us. That he does all of this because he wants to present us to the Father as splendid, without spot, without wrinkle. He wants us one day, one day, listen to this, he wants us to be presented as holy and without blemish. And the only way that's possible is if the blood of our beloved Jesus has covered us. And you know what took the blood to cover us? The car to hit him. It splattered on us and we said we were saved by the blood of my beloved lamb whose name is Jesus. And that blood gives you entrance to the throne room of the Father. He's hyped over you. Number two, we're hyped about our faith. If you're not hyped about your faith, um, consider if you have faith. Are you hyped about your faith? Your faith in Christ? I'll read Romans 10 again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved for him, for him, with him, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. How many of you need to put your faith in Jesus? The answer is every day. (laughs) Every day. Every day, my eyes wake up. I made it. I'm awake. Lord, before my feet hit the ground, may I serve you well. May I honor you with my lips, with my words, with my actions. May I be pleasing before your sight, Lord. I'm about to roll out of my bed. I know what I'm capable of. I know how I can react, respond. I know what I can do. So, Lord, may I live in faith, faithful in your word and faithful to you, Jesus. Come on, how many of us need that? Every day. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 6, love this scripture. Look at this. Look at the prophet. It says, Look up to the skies above and gaze down on the earth below, for the skies will disappear like smoke and the earth will wear out like a piece of clothing and the people of the earth will die like flies. But I love this part. But my salvation lasts forever. My righteous rule will have no end. Did you guys catch that? Life on earth is like a garment that is being put to waste. It catches moth on it, holes on it, and it becomes so light that you could just grab it and it rips. It's all just fading away, life on earth, earth itself. It's like a smoke that is vanishing. It's like a piece of clothing that is wearing out. But then the Lord reminds us, but there's one thing, though everything collapses, everything everything disintegrates, everything just vanishes before my presence. There's one thing that remains forever. Salvation is forever, and my righteous rule has no end to it. What is he doing there? He's inviting the believer. He is inviting the listener to come into this salvation. He is inviting the listener to enter into this rule, into this authority. Fall under my authority and worship. Because that's forever. I'll read another scripture from Isaiah just so I could define it and maybe break it down. Because point number two is we're hyped about our faith in Christ. And here is Isaiah breaking down our salvation. And look what he says as well. In chapter 55, let's read, starting from verse one. He says this: "Is anyone thirsty? He's asking a question, and here's the answer to it: "Come, come and drink, but I, I don't know if I have enough to buy, even if you have no money." What is he saying right there? What is he saying about your drink? It's what? It's free. But even though it's free, what is he saying about his drink? He can't what? Don't be shy. You can say. What is it? He can't force you. So I'm giving you a drink. And what is he calling you to do? Come to it and drink from it. And as you're complaining on the way up to drink from it, but I don't have no money. He's like. Remember, you're covered in my blood. It's paid for. It's done. Even if you have no money, he says, Come. He says, Come again. Notice the repetition of the word come. Enter. Enter. Come. Be hype about me, about what I give you, about my, your faith in me, about my salvation. Come. And he says, Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. It's all given to you. The invitation is urgent. And it's for all of us who can hear it. It's addressing a deep longing, spiritual longing inside all of us to seek the Lord while he may be found. Oh my goodness, if I could drink some water. And he's like, there's water for everyone. Come and drink. And people are doing what? They're ending their lives because they're exhausted. They're dry on a desert land. And the believers are not drawing them into the oasis. There is water. Come don't die in the desert. Jump into the pool of God's like jump into the pool of God's mercy and forgiveness and righteousness. And that's what he's doing. It's addressing that deepness, that notice to come. All we need to do is enter. Enter. It's to the one who, who, who needs to find mercy and salvation in God. He invites you in. Let's keep reading verse two. He says, "Why? Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? He's almost screaming to the church saying, stop being distracted on things, on things that don't give you eternity, life, salvation, forgiveness, mercy, compassion. You are focusing on things that do not have eternal value. That's what he's saying on verse 2. We spend our money on a kind of food that doesn't strengthen us. And why do you pay food for food that does not do you any good? Why? He's asking a question. Why are you eating that kind of food? If you want, you could grab this as the Lord convicting you, oh my God, I got to eat better. (laughs) But he's not telling you just to eat better. It's about dining at his table. It's a spiritual meal. And he says, you pay for food that does you no good. You You waste your resources, your energy, your strength. On foolish things ever been there or am i the only fool speaking today he says listen to me and you will eat what is good you will eat what is good the lord knows my heart because he knows i like to eat good how many of you like to eat good i do it when i go to a restaurant i look at the most expensive thing i start there Anyone with me? I don't start at the cheapest thing. I go to the most expensive thing. I'm like, yeah, all right, let's make our way up. <laughs> but my eyes go there first. Because what I really want is not the Palomia steak. What I really want is the porterhouse. <laughs> so my eye goes to the porterhouse. I'm like, $100 for the porterhouse. Ah. <sighs> My daughter has gymnastics. (laughs) I'll take the palomia for 15. But God made humanity to long for what is good. He did. And here we are spiritually, he's like... You're going to restaurants and ordering from the meal of a food that does no good. He says, but come and eat because I give you, oh man, it's good food. It's good food. It's pleasing food. It's good for your soul. He says, listen to me, you'll eat what is good. And he says in verse two, you will enjoy, you will enjoy the finest foods. When I read this, I'm like, amen, amen. I'm going to eat good in heaven and I'm not going to gain weight and I'm not going to have to worry about any of that. It's going to be good. Everything. And Isaiah is exposing a lot of stuff in this text. He's exposing how costly unbelief is. Oh, you think it's nothing to live like this. But no, it does no good. It's very costly to your soul. It's very costly to who you are and what you will be. But he says you need to eat what is good. To listen to me that there is a banquet, a banquet with Christ. And to eat what is good as you sit before his dinner table. Amen? Verse 3, he says, come to me. Enter. There it is again. With your eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. What is he saying? Don't slumber. Don't fall asleep. Don't be just... Dis- Keep your gaze. Keep your fix. Your Eyes wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to close your eyes. What does this world and the system of this world want to do? It wants to close your eyes. It wants to make you sleepy. It wants to make you slumber. So what does it do? It causes all this racket all around you. So what do you do? You take your eyes off of God. And what do you do? You narrow in and you begin to focus on the very stupid and foolish things of this world that all it does is it's going to give you food poisoning for all eternity. It's no good. And we, we get confused and our eyes get off the track. And Jesus says... Through the prophet Isaiah, through his word, he says, When you enter, when you come, open up those eyelids. Keep your eyes on me. Don't be distracted. Don't fall asleep. Don't look elsewhere. Your eyes are upon your salvation. That's what he's saying in this. He says, Come with your eyes wide open, listen, and you will find life. And this is what I'm going to do. It's going to be a covenant, but it's not going to be a covenant like you've experienced. How many of you have made covenants on earth with man, and those covenants have gone bad? That's a hard question to ask today. But Jesus says the covenant that I make, it has no end. It's an everlasting covenant, and if you've ever broken a covenant with anyone you can't wait for this day that your covenant with Jesus remains forever. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited for my eternity in him. I'm hype about this stuff. This is what we believe in as a church. He says, seek the Lord while you can find him. I already mentioned that scripture. Call on him while he is near. I mean, we can say so much on verse 6 or 7. Let the wicked change their ways. Banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God and he will forgive them generously. You guys getting this? I mean, I could dissect every single one of these verses, but I hope we're getting the gist of it, what it all means. The English Standard Study Bible says, anyone may enter into the victory of God. Who? Who can enter? Anyone. Anyone. There was a thief on the cross you don't know his resume you don't know what he did wrong you don't know if he was a murderer how many he killed how many he stole from but we do know one thing all he needed was one day one day come to the gripping knowledge of jesus christ and he said today remember me and he says today you'll be with me in paradise you may enter into the victory of god but the time is short and the offer is conditioned upon one thing here it is your repentance there is no heaven without your repentance I'm not going to tell you that there are many roads to God. This is a church. We are a family that believes there is one road, and it starts with repentance before the door, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. Repent to Jesus. He's the one one that stood before the, the, the car. It wasn't all the other roads. He's the one. I can't give credit to all those other roads. He's the one that took the hit. Can you imagine if I don't give him the credit for that? The cost of enjoying God's feast of covenant love is forsaking myself. Forsaking oneself, but the gain is abundant forgiveness, abundant pardon. Wow. If I forsake myself, I gain abundant pardon. Verse 8 and 9, same passage, says this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. We've got to move forward and my ways are far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. Come on, amen. This is so good. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth. How high are the heavens? Higher than the earth. And when we're talking about the heavens. The third heaven. Higher than the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The believing, the hype, is about people exchanging their sinful struggles their sinful thoughts, their sinful ways for God's ways, which are way higher than ours. Lord, I exchange this thing that my flesh continues to fall to because your ways are higher. All right, let's keep reading. The rain and snow come down from heaven, and we experienced that this week. And they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer, bread for the hungry. Verse 11, it is the same with my word. You saw how, how he uses analogies. analogy? See how he draws pictures out? I send it out, my word, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to accomplish. It will prosper everywhere I send it. He, he describes his word to rain and snow. Because rain and snow cannot fail to nourish the earth when it falls. When the rain and the snow falls on the earth, it begins to nourish the ground and fruit becomes to come out. Harvest starts to take place. And God's words of promise cannot fail to bring his people into the richness and fullness of eternal life. Human, the good intentions of mankind fail. But God's promises, promises succeed forevermore. You guys got that? Another thing that the English Standard says, it says the word of God not only describes a glorious future, but it is God's appointed means to create the future. Listen to these verses, 12 and 13. You will live. You what? Will live. How will I live then? Here it is. With joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. How many of you, your mountains, you haven't heard them sing lately? Your hills, they've been quiet lately. Scripture says they will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. You could almost hear the trees crashing against one another. And they're clapping their hands where once there were thorns, cypress trees will now grow, where the nettles grow. That's like a poison ivy kind of weed. Now myrtles, which is like a flowery plant, now begin to sprout out. And these events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. And there will be an everlasting sign of his power and of his love. Guys, I'm talking about my home, my future, my eternity. I believe in his word and I believe in the person of Jesus Christ. And what an image this is, where there is dry, unproductive land, now it is transformed, and there's an everlasting sign. God will be forever glorified by this, by the display of His triumphant grace. We believe the hype. We are hyped about Christ and His word. And there ain't no one going to take that away from us. Amen. Yes. And number three, as we get into, we're hyped about, about Christ, the person of Christ, yes. We kind of transitioned into this last part that I want to share with you, and we'll be done. We are hyped about our faith in His Word. I want to share something with you. I was able to go on a field trip with a bunch of seniors years ago to New York, and I went to the, um, what's that called, the 9-11 Memorial, forgive me, and uh, it, it was a beautiful memorial, very, very somber, really intense. And um, I got to this one little box, you know, that has an, an element inside and it's, and it's preserving it. And I said, wow, this is interesting. And um, it's, it's such, it was such an interesting thing. And I, I took a picture of it. This right here what I'm about to show you is not a, the picture that I took, but it, the picture that I took is very similar to this one. Um, but I'll, I'm going to show it to you real quick. L- look at this picture that I took when I went to uh, the 9-11 memorial. It's pretty cool. Piece of rock with some paper on it. When they were um, looking for survivors in the rubble, they they found this uh, piece of rock, but they saw that there was a piece of the Bible that was melted into the rock. So they kind of grabbed that piece of rock carefully because they thought that that was very interesting and cool and they kept it. And today it's in New York um, in that uh, Memorial. memorial. Thank you. And it's, I remember when I saw it, I thought it was so interesting, and I took a picture of it. And, and my picture looks similar to this because I, I got close to the, to the glass. And I said, wow, how, how cool is this? You know, a whole building collapsed. Th- I mean, that's not cool. Um, it fell. So many people died. That day we experienced death on, in this country like never before. It was one of the, if not the worst, right, day that the United States have, has ever experienced to this day. It was on 9-11. But in that rubble, they found this significant, this significant find here. And I'm going to read to you what's, so, what's most significant about this find. It's that this fragile piece of paper survived the burning, the crushing of all the material, rocks, metal, and it survived such a disaster. But what's beautiful about this is that the passage that it was opened to on the top in bold letters, the heading of it was retaliation. And if you were to zoom into this picture, you'll see that you could read clearly Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to read Matthew five thirty-eight and 39. And this is what Matthew 5, 38 39 says. It says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. (laughs) Take the heart of God. Don't let bitterness, don't let anger, don't let this move your heart forward. I thought it was interesting. Leave that picture back up. I thought this was so interesting because here is this Bible. And it reminded me of the scripture that everything will be destroyed. Everything will perish. But that his word remains forever his word would never be able to be removed that picture for me is a testament of that you could say it's luck but in my spirit in my heart that should be what it looks like in our heart his word is seared it's melted into into who we really are we could be a hard rock but that word is penetrating through that hard rock amen Amen. in Matthew 24 35 it says just to remind you guys this is what I'm talking about and when I'm done reading these one two three four scriptures um, we could come up and close in Matthew 24 35 it says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away how many of you could say amen? amen that picture was a reminder of that as it is a picture inside of us in Psalm 119 verse 89 the psalmist writes forever forever love the word forever everlasting oh lord your word is settled in heaven i love that because when we get to heaven and we stand before his presence the lord will not be like oh we had a a heaven meeting and uh, we decided to change some of my words some things have changed that's not how it works with god his words are forever in eternity they will not be changed it will be forever in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 he says for I am not ashamed of the gospel why aren't you ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God and here it is specifically for this it is the power of God for salvation to everyone not someone not some ones but everyone who comes to believe it is the power of God for salvation amen It's forever, church. And then, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he tells us to be on guard, to stand firm, and to stand firm in the faith. He tells us to be courageous. He tells us to be strong. And as I've read all these verses, and I've given you all these points today, it doesn't take a genius to understand That we live in a day where people have no foundation. I found out by a friend of mine who teaches that she has two students she's struggling with. Because these two students in the middle of the day tell their teacher, I need to go outside. And I know this sounds silly and it sounds interesting and and it seems like we could maybe have a longer conversation about this. But this is the world we live in. These two students tell her every single day, I need to go outside and you need to let me go outside because I identify myself as a cat. I know someone that teaches students that say they need to leave because they identify themselves as a cat. They identify themselves as an animal and they need to go out for a walk, they need to drink some water. That's just one example of something that I heard. And you say, wow, this is the days we're living in. We live in a day that people have no foundation and no structure. We live in a day, listen to this, please, listen to the heart of God. We live in a day where people are searching for identity. Where, who am I? Who am I? I almost feel like keep talk I feel like talking. So we leave it on the professors to teach our children who they are. You know whose job it is? It's us. It's us. The church is the most powerful organism and the most important organism on this earth. And if we allow other entities to build the foundation and the structure that they want for the next generation and you just sit back and let them then you're not using the authority and the power that God's given you here on this earth he's given you his instructions he's given you the Word of God and we as Christians sons and daughters of God need to reveal to the other sons and daughters what their identity is in Jesus Christ. How many of you could say amen? It's our job. Stand firm, he says. Be filled with courage. How many of you, I cried here like three weeks ago because of how discouraged I am in the day that we're living in. So discouraged in these days that we're living in. And here in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, Hey, be filled with courage. Why are you crying on a Sunday? Stand firm. Be on guard. Believe the stuff that you're preaching. Believe the hype. His word, the person of Christ. You know, another definition of hype, it's interesting. It's it's a a word that could often be exaggerated. You exaggerate the importance or the benefits of something. Um, Remember, I spoke about the iPhone. People waiting in lines for days, for example, before, the day before, sleeping in tents and all that. I saw that with my own eyes. And then in another year, the next iPhone is released, or the next year, your, your team kind of stinks. And now, you're not so hyped about that device or hyped about an individual. That which was new now becomes old. I love that the Lord says, my promises, right? All his things are new every morning. Why? Because he knows what we're capable of. You guys just get so fed up with stuff, but I'm going to show you more. This is why mankind continues to search God and we continue to find pieces of him. Why? Because he knows us. If you keep searching, you're going to find something new about me. He knows his creation. We, we, okay, forget it. I'll just talk about myself. I don't want to put any of you out there. I, I lose my excitement quickly. It could dole out right we go out we get what's new what's hot what's trendy the team that's winning we celebrate them but now the players get old kind of seeing that aren't we some players get traded now we got to focus on rebuilding that's a pain in the butt so the excitement for the team dwindles the stadium is not filling up flags are not being waved in cars just fanatics they're not they're no longer supporting the team that they so loved when they were on top. It's always happened. It even happens in churches. It's happening. It's happened. Oh, look at this. Look at that. And then it starts to dull off and dwindle off. And you're like, what happened to the fire in your heart? But what's beautiful about hype is that we don't have to exaggerate its importance or the benefits. And this is what I end with. Our hype is eternal. Our hype transforms a sinner who was heading to hell and now redeems them, giving them worth, and now welcomes them to enter into heaven. Our hype is not trendy. It's not a fad, a phase, a, moment, a momentary obsession, a moment of ups. It's forever. It lasts forever. It speaks forever that heaven and earth are turned to ashes, eaten up like with, by moths, yet our hype, his word, shall remain forever. The strongest enemy can't stop it. The hottest fire can't distinguish it. The most powerful of weapons will not be able to prosper against it. The greatest army will not be able to besiege it and conquer it. The wisest of minds will not be able to outsmart it. The loudest noise will not be able to drown it. The greatest schemer will not be able to trick it. Satan will not be able to triumph it. Hell will not be able to rise up against it. We believe this hype. And it is forever. So Jesus is having an encounter with his disciples. And Peter's there, and his name, the Lord is going to give him this beautiful, beautiful picture. And he says, hey, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And everyone there is like, whoa. And in that moment, he says on this rock, he's not speaking about a man named Peter. When he says on this rock, he's pointing to himself and the declaration that was made right there that he was Christ. He was the son of the living God. And he was the rock. And on Jesus, the church is built and hell, hell will not prevail. Jesus is forever. His word is forever. Eternity is forever. And we believe the hype. We have faith in Christ as a church and we continue our faith in his word This is the rock, Jesus, on which I put together my church, Eugene Peterson puts it, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out.